Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for being our God. And we thank you for allowing us to come and worship you together this day. Lord, Father, I just pray that you will be with each and every one of my brothers and sisters sitting before me and those who are at home watching this service live and those who may not have the time right now will view this, um, this worship later, Lord, Father. May we all feel um, your presence in our lives. May we all know that you, we are loved by you and guided by you. And Lord, as I deliver your word to your people today, Lord, I pray that you'll use me to speak your words of truth and not my own. Lord, we thank you. In your son Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Glad to see you all here today. Happy Thanksgiving. I guess it's happy early Thanksgiving, right? What a, what a crazy year it has been. We have made it to almost the end. <laughs> almost the end. We're at a time in any other year, this would be the most joyous time, right? The holiday season. Starting this week with Thanksgiving and the food and the family and the, um, and the football. And then after that, we start seeing the Christmas decorations come up. We start hearing the carols on the radio and all around us. And you just feel all like warm and fuzzy inside. You wait for the Rockefeller tree to go up and like, oh, it's Christmas in New York. For being a child from California, I got to say, one thing New York does a whole lot better than California is Christmas, right? Christmas is such, so amazing. But because it's 2020, the year that will be forever known in history as COVID year, the holidays, at least in the way that we've celebrated, celebrated before or remembered growing up, is all but canceled. With everything that we went through this year, we wonder, this Thanksgiving, what really is there for us to be thankful for. This year has been a huge disappointment on so many, so many different levels. This year has been an, a year of increased stress and anxiety and a decrease of revenue and, and joy. What possibly can we be thankful for? There's so much more suffering and heartache this year than any other year possibly of our lives. Well, I, I guess in a year of difficulties, we thank God for the difficulties. And you might think to yourself, what? What are you talking about, Pastor Charles? Are you, are you crazy? Who would thank God for the difficulties? Who on earth will be thankful for any difficulty that comes in their lives? Who on earth will be thankful for, for anything that happened in the year 2020? Well, I invite you to think too long ago, perhaps to when you're a child <clears throat> during Christmas long ago. You've, your extended family's all gathered together. You've just in, enjoyed a wonderful Christmas feast, and now you're gathered around the Christmas tree. It's time to open presents, the greatest time of a young child's life during Christmas, right? Present time. One by one, presents are being handed out, and your aunt comes to you and gives you a big shiny box. You get it, you're so excited. It's wrapped so nicely. It has a nice bow on top and you know, you get excited because as a kid, the bigger the box, the better the present, right? And so you tear into it, you open it, you look in the box and it's a sweater. 
your aunt looks at you smiling from across the way. You're a bit disappointed and your mom nudges your side and says, what do you say? You say, thank you. It's totally not what you expected. Definitely, definitely not what you wanted. But you say, thanks. It's the polite thing to do. And you might not know it then, but on a cold winter day, that sweater is exactly what you need and not the latest toy or video game. 2020 is not what we expected. Definitely not what we wanted. Not by any means what we wanted. But when we look back on it, Perhaps it may be something that we needed. Something that we needed because the hardships of this year is something that we can grow from. Hopefully it's something we can grow from. With all things in life, there is something to learn and something to be gained. And some people say that the most difficult times of life is where you learn the most, where you get the most valuable lessons 2020 was a hard year. It was an extremely hard year. And just because we survived this year doesn't guarantee that 2021, 2030, 2040, 2050, and so on and so forth will be an easier time, not difficult. But we hope that we gain something this year that will be invaluable to us in helping us with any difficulty that comes to us in our future. And that is, that the, the knowledge that God's love endures forever, no matter what circumstance that we are in, and that the difficulties that we faced will continue to help us to grow our faith in him, to help us tackle any challenge that may come to us in the future. And that is why we give thanks. That is why we give thanks. In our passage for today, we see the Israelites are doing something difficult. And to be honest, they went through difficulty. They were coming out of a difficult time. And now they were tasked with doing something difficult. The book of Ezra is about the Israelites coming home after their, their exile and tasked with the rebuilding of the temple and rebuilding and reestablishment of Jerusalem and Israel. You know, years before, the prophet Isaiah warned the people that because of their sin, they'll be taken captive and into exile by the Babylonians. The Babylonians would come and eventually take away the royal family. They would ransack the temple. Then they would take all the skillful and gifted people and take them into exile. And then finally, they would end up destroying Jerusalem and the temple that Solomon had built. The Israelites lost their country, they lost their home, they lost their place of worship, and they were forced into exile by a e hated enemy, and they lived in exile for 70 years. This means that people were born in exile, people died in exile, and some people were born and died in exile without having ever once stepped foot in Jerusalem, without have ever once having stepped foot into the original temple of God. The Israelites faced trials and tribulations for years and years and years. And once they finally were allowed to re return home to rebuild it, they faced opposition from neighboring countries that didn't want to see 
Israel brought back to his future glory. God didn't want to see Israel's temple reestablished. So they had to put it on hold. And it, theologians and historians say it took about 20 years for this entire rebuilding process of the temple. But even knowing their past troubles and living through their trials, they gave glory to God after laying what we read in our passage today, laying the foundation of the temple. If you look at our text for today, we read in verse 10 that all they had so far was the foundation of the new temple being laid. I'll read verse 10 for us once again. It says, and, the, and when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the directions of David, king of Israel. You see, just with that one small step of the foundation being laid, the people gathered with trumpets, the priests in the royal, their uh, gowns, their vestments, with cymbals, and they sang praise and gave thanks to the Lord. Laying the foundation of anything is step one. There will be so much more to do, but they gave thanks because it signified something important. It signified the return to worship for Israel. The Israelites worshiped at the temple and the laying down of the foundation started the rebuilding of their place of worship. So it signified this return to worship. They sang praise to God and thanked him for it. You know, back in early, mid-October, the staff and our media team started to come to St. John's <laughs> to prepare for what would eventually be uh, our new corporate worship. We practiced the live streaming, the ins and outs of it. Do we have the right wires? Do we have the right equipment? How's their internet connection here? There's so much things to do that we took two weeks for us to try and practice everything. And we met for like five, six hours both times. It was a weird feeling because we couldn't actually worship at that time. We're just trying to get everything settled and right. It was a mix of, for me, a mix of feelings of uncertainty strength, stress, worry, and wondering, is this going to happen? Is, can we pull this off? But there's also joy. Joy even in this tiny step that we're able to hopefully come together in a few weeks to enjoy worship together. There's an excitement in my heart just at that mere thought. And I think a lot of our team, our staff, had that same feeling. I didn't know what would happen. But I praise God that we were able to come out of not being able to meet for six to seven months to start this new worship style. And a few weeks after that, we gathered for the first time here to worship together at St. John's, a small group that's been growing each week. And at the end of each worship service, those at home may not notice, but for us that are gathered here, we do something that we never really, we never did before COVID. And what we do is, after I, I give the benediction is, we all just start instinctively clapping, right? I, I don't remember us ever doing that pre-COVID. And the clapping isn't for like, oh, great sermon, Pastor John, or oh, great announcements, Hannah. Oh, great reading of liturgy, Pastor Charles. Great work. Uh, media team. I mean, that might be a small part of it, but I think we clapped as a thanks to God for getting us through this. 
thank you, God, for allowing this. At least in my heart, that's what it was. Even with maybe one-third of the group that we usually had on a Sunday before COVID. Thank you, God. You are good. Your love endures forever. You are allowing us to return to worship. You're allowing us this joy once again. Thank you. Thank you. You know, God's people rebuilt the temple so that they could have a place to worship God. But the, the temple is also the place where the glory of God dwelt. Right. So it also signified that God was with his people once again. Years later, God came to us, came to earth through his son, Jesus Christ, to be with his people. And now God does not dwell in a temple, but dwells with each and every one of us, his chosen people. God is with us. My brothers and sisters, even in the hardest times, there's something that we can find to be thankful for. There's always something we can find to thank God for. Remember to continually give thanks regardless of the circumstances you may be in. Because God is there. God is with you. And even though the Israelites went through hardships and are still in hardships, they praised and thanked God for it or through it. And we need to do the same. It's because the hardships and the difficulties in life mold us and shape us to become better Christians that builds up our faith. In verse 11, if you look at verse 11, it says, and they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. The people praised and thanked God on this occasion of the start of the rebuild. Right? But there's this word in this, in this verse that says forever. His love endures forever. Forever means all time. God's love was remembered to be in their past. It's with them in their present now of the rebuilding of the temple. And they're also acknowledging that no matter what happens, they know that God's love will be with them in their future as well. You know, think back in the history of Israel. Think back of all the things that happened to the Israelites. What are some things that you remember hearing maybe growing up in Sunday school? And just to jog your memory, 400 years as slaves under Egypt, and after what they were let go, 40 years of wandering in the desert to get to the promised land. And although they had a nice name, the promised land, it was not freely given. They had to fight for it. They had to overcome the inhabitants and take that land. After that, they were led by judges. The people will sin and God will raise up a judge and there will be peace and the judge will pass away and the people will sin again, raise up another judge. There was a cycle of that. And then the kingship came with Saul and then David and Solomon. But eventually the kings would also fail and sin and take the people and to cause the people to go into exile, which is where we find our, chap our verses for today. After the exile, they arrived and they're tasked with this rebuilding. Throughout the history of Israel, we see difficulties upon difficulties. And I would say there's probably more years of, of hardships and difficulties in their lives than there was of peace and prosperity. But one thing that remained constant in their lives was God's presence and God's love for them. And when they remember that, and when they were ultimately blessed again, they would always return and sing praise to God saying, you are good, 
His love endures forever. Now think back into your life. Think back into your past. Do you see God there? Do you see God working in all of your past difficulties as well? You know, personally for me, 2019 was a tough year too. 2019 was a year of transition for me. The church I was serving at was going through some crazy times. And my head pastor at that church announced that he was going to step down in a few years. And instead of waiting for that process to play out, some of the elders that did not like him started this campaign to have him removed before his retirement age. This caused a lot of fights. There's a lot of fights after every service that we had. People got physical. Our associate pastor ended up getting arrested. I had to go meet lawyers and I had to go to jail to see him. It was a crazy time. It was ridiculous, right? Eventually the head pastor stepped down, the associate pastor stepped down, the nursery pastor stepped down, and it was me and the children's pastor, right? And then the elders came to me and said, oh, we need somebody to speak in Korean and get the sermon in morning prayer. You got to do it. I started giving morning prayer services in, in Korean. I started doing Wednesday night services in Korean. I gave a few Sunday sermons in Korean, all the while doing my own job of running the English ministry and the youth group and overseeing the educational department. It was a, a hard time. And in the midst of all of that, some of the elders were hinting to me too that my time is coming to it's about going to be my time to step down as well. There's a lot of stress, a lot to bear with. I tried to do right by my church members, especially my immediate uh, EM that I was serving, but I knew I had to move on. And last year, I applied here to NCF. And maybe I could say this now because I got the job, right? <laughs> but it was a long hiring process. It was a long process, Right? For you guys, it might have been a long process. For me, it was a long process. Right? I applied to NCF in July last year, and I got a response asking me to fill out an application online. I did that. August came around. They said, can we do a phone interview? I did that at the end of August. September came. They asked, can you send in uh, sermon samples and recommendation letters? And I did that. In October, so we're four months in now, in October, they contacted me and said, oh, are you available for lunch to meet some of our leaders, do a sit-down interview, and, and, and give a sermon, guest speak for us. To pause here, right? Pause here. During this process, I obviously kept my wife in the loop, right? Because where I go for ministry affects her and my children as well. They're my family. They, they have to go to the church that I'm going to go to. And I'll tell her this is what's happening, da, 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 this is what NCF is. These are, you know, I would try to explain all this. But we were on edge for like email responses, just for any updates. Are things progressing? Am I rejected? Am I not? Am I still a part of the plans? And I know the search committee was probably going through a lot of applications, but on my end, and what I was dealing with at the church I was at, it was a lot of just stress and just emotionally draining all across the board. It was a hard time, but I tried to keep, stay positive, right? I kept telling my wife, 
they like me, right? <laughs> they probably like me. I mean, they didn't cut me yet. It's probably because they like me, right? Uh, they had four months to reject me, but they didn't. So I'm probably like top five, I'm at least top five on their list, right? Got to think positive. <laughs> Another part of me was like, it's a good sign that they're doing their due diligence because the church then is looking for like the best possible person that they could have instead of just the first person that applies. So I thought that that's a, a great church to work at. Finally, November 2019 comes and I meet the leaders and the ministry team leaders, the D board, Pastor John, uh, and we have a lunch at Chamongak, <laughs> Bayside. And we walk across the street for a sit-down interview. Next day, I came for the very first time in my life to St. John's and gave my first sermon to you all. A larger group that day than just gathered here today, but I came and I gave a sermon as a candidate for this associate pastor position. Another month's path is and still nothing. And then at my church, I get, a, I get called into an emergency elder board meeting, a meeting that I'm never invited to. And at that meeting, they said, it's time for you to go. You could stay on as part-time if you want, or you could leave. But an hour after that elder meeting, elder board meeting at my previous church, I was asked to come to the NCF church office conference room. I met the search committee one more time, and two days later, I was asked, invited to come on staff here as the associate pastor. To me, that was a long process. It was a hard process. I prayed every night, God, what is going on with my life? What is your will in all of this? You know, I only applied to NCF during that time. I was taught growing up, and ministry is a calling. And so you pray about one place, and you let that process play out. And you, if you get rejected, that's when you look for somewhere else. But you only stick to one place. So I only applied to NCF. It's not like any other ministry. It's not like any other job where you send 15, 20 resumes to different companies hoping that something sticks. And I, I literally had all my eggs in one basket, right? If this came and NCF said, nope, who knows where I would have been? I might have been part-time. I might have been, I don't know, like a bank teller or something. Or maybe I had to move back to California and be like, Mom, can I live with you for a little bit? because I just can't afford living in New York without a pay. Those months were tough. But now that it's passed, I could just look back on it as an experience. I can see that God was there because the situation here at NCF is much, much better than what I would have had if I stayed at my previous church. Even through the uncertainty of this year, it's a lot better than what I would have had at the other place. So today... Is an anniversary of sorts for me because I came and guest spoke on November 17, 2019, almost a year to the day as a candidate as for your associate pastor position. And now I stand before you about a year later as your official associate pastor and hope it doesn't take me another year before I can stand before you again. But we all had rough times in our past. We all did. Are you able to look back and see God in them now? 
And if the answer is yes, then when this season passes too, we should be able to look back and see that God was there. And if we could do that, that all the automatically means that God is with us right now, that God's love is with us right now, that God is watching over us right now. Each year brings its hardships. 2021 will bring its own hardships as well. But God's love for you remains. God's love for you endures forever. And that's why even in the craziness and the wretchedness of 2020, we say thank you, God. Thank you for the difficulties because even in the midst of them, I can still see you and I know that you are still here. I know that you still love me. I know that you have made me stronger. The title of my sermon today, if you didn't know, is Thank God for the Difficulties. I got inspiration for this title from Oswald Chambers and his book, My Utmost for His Highest. It's actually a compilation of his sermons that's broken down to be like daily devotionals. And in one of those writings, Oswald Chambers says this, <clears throat> Thank God that he does give us difficult things to do. His salvation is a joyous thing, but it's also something that requires bravery, courage, and holiness. It tests us for all we are worth. God's grace produces men and women with a strong family likeness to Jesus Christ, not pampered, spoiled weaklings. It takes a tremendous amount of discipline to live the worthy and excellent life of a disciple of Jesus in the realities of life, and it is, and it is all, always necessary for us to make an effort to live a life of worth and excellence. What is he saying here? He's saying we give thanks to God for the difficult things in life because it makes us brave, courageous, and holy so that we can overcome those difficulties, and then it builds up those characters. It tests us, but it makes us stronger. It's a lot of work to remain a disciple of Jesus, but yet it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Basically, he's saying that the difficulties in life molds and shapes us to become stronger people of faith. Each difficulty that we overcome should prepare us for the next one or make the next one a bit easier to deal with. Because each test shapes us to become a stronger Christian. And the Apostle Paul says as much in the epistle, in his epistle to the Romans. Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5, that not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has given who has been given to us. Amen. The reason why we give thanks, or as Paul writes, rejoice in our sufferings, is because it brings us hope. It gives us hope. It gives us endurance. It builds our character and ultimately produces hope. Hope in a future. We don't rejoice in our present trials and sufferings because the trials themselves are joyous but because they produce a transformation within us that makes us more like Christ. And that is, a aim, that is the aim of our lives every day, to become more like Christ. I hope that when 2020 is finally over and COVID is somehow managed, I hope that you will come out stronger, that your relationship with God is stronger, that your Christian character is made stronger, that this past year's hardships helps mold you and transforms you to become a stronger Christian. 
2019 was a tough year for me. 2020 was a tough year for everyone. We don't have any guarantee of what 2021 will bring. We may get a vaccine, we may not. We may be out of COVID, we may not. But the hope is that the trials of this year will give us the faith that allows us to overcome whatever may come next year. Every difficulty you overcome in life, I hope that you see it as a faith builder and encouragement to be able to tackle what may come next. There's an African proverb that you might have heard before. It says, smooth seas do not make skillful sailors. Smooth seas do not make skillful sailors. This proverb is saying, if everything is easy all the time, you cannot grow. It's when you go through the rough times, the rough patches, the rough seas that helps you become stronger and shapes and changes you for the better. It's the hard knocks in life that make us more refined and more resilient. Just like what Oswald Chambers was saying, we thank God for the difficulties because they require bravery and courage and makes us become more brave and courageous. Oswald Chambers, Apostle Paul, this African Proverbs are all saying the same thing. Difficulties strengthen us. Difficulties strengthen us, and because of that, we thank the Lord. Verses 12 and 13, they'll tell us that the older priests, the Levites, the elders who had seen the former temple, former temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple foundation. It's because the older people, they remembered what it was like before. They remembered the splendor, the majesty of Solomon's temple, uh, that's the temple that Solomon built and they just knew that this one could not compare to the old. So they cried out. Others shouted with joy. You know, we all remember life before COVID. And we worry, will we ever get there again? Will, we, will our lives ever go back to the way it was last year? Pre-COVID. Who knows if certain industries like amusement parks and movie theaters can survive? We remember life before COVID, but our children may not. We know what is lost during this time. So it's the same feeling feeling that the elders had. It just won't be the same. It's bittersweet. They're joyful and weeping. They're joyful tears and weeping tears. But remember, God's love endures forever, regardless of what the future holds. Regardless of what the future holds. I want to go back to verse 11, what the Israelites saying, the portion of what they're saying. They're saying, for he is good, God, for God is good, for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And you know, you may have seen this phrase before, right? You may have seen this uh, as part of a praise song before. This phrase comes out a lot, especially in the Chronicles and in the Psalms. His steadfast love endures forever. But there's something different in how this is written in other passages of the Bible as opposed to what we find in Ezra. And that is the last two words, toward Israel. Ezra as in these two words, towards Israel. Whereas the Psalms and the Chronicles may be speaking about God's general love for all of his creation, here in Ezra he's saying that the steadfast love of God endures forever towards his chosen people. It's a specific kind of love. Like if I came in here and I said, hey guys, I love you all and I want nothing but the best for you. As your pastor, I love you and I want the best for you. That's a true statement. 
right? I do want the best for you. But it's a different type of love that I would have for my own family and my own children. When I say, I love you, it's a different type of an I love you, right? And that's what it's here saying here, right? Ezra is speaking about a covenantal love that God has toward Israel, a love that will not go away, a love that remains forever, a love that says, as long as you obey me, as long as you remember me, I will love you and hold on to you forever. But guess what, guys? Now you are the covenantal children of God. And so God is saying, not just to the entire world, but to all of you specifically, no matter what your past, your present, your future, no matter what you face, remember that I love you now and forever because you are my chosen children. You are mine. And that deserves our praise and thanks to God as well. Trust in the Lord and seek him. For he is good. His love endures forever. God loves you so much that he made sure to rebuild, the bro- restore the broken relationship between us and him. And he did this by sending his son, Jesus Christ. God loves us so much that he had his son die on a cross and resurrect so that our relationship with him would be restored. So that we, his chosen, those who believe in him, can become his children. Jesus went willingly to his death. Yes, it was tough for him. He prayed about it. He asked for the possibility of the cup being passed from him. On the cross, while bearing the brunt of the pain and the suffering, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he never once felt that God was not there. Even in the most extreme difficulties in life, the pain that we may never face, he knew the purpose of it all. And now he has a name above all names that when people hear the name of Jesus, they bow down. And because Jesus overcame his difficulty, his trial, we have the joy of eternal life with him and with God in heaven where there no longer will be any trials, any difficulties to test us, for us to overcome. And when all is said and done, and when we faced all the trials that the earth and life here on earth has to offer, we too will join God in heaven. So thank God for the difficulties. The Israelites went through so much in their existence. They went through enslavement, wars, loss of kingdom, exile, and yet they were still able to sing praise and give thanks to God, saying, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. God's love is not towards Israel now, but it's towards all of you, his children. His steadfast love is flowing towards you and I, all who believe in him. Whatever difficulties come in life, and there will be many, some big, some small, some lasting a few hours, some lasting a few months. But whatever comes your way, I hope that at the end of the day, you can thank God and sing praise to him and acknowledge him that you know that his love endures forever. I hope that you can grow from those difficulties be pushed away from God, but that your faith will grow deeper, that you'll be molded and shaped to become a better, stronger Christian. Give thanks for the difficulties because they build us up and they refine us. No matter what trial you face in life, I hope that you too can give thanks to God and praise him saying, he is good. His steadfast love endures forever towards me. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for being our God. And we thank you <laughs> for loving us. Lord, this year was a tumultuous year. There's so many things that happened to us individually, to us as a nation. And this week of being Thanksgiving, where we're supposed to look back and reflect on what to give thanks for. Lord, I hope that even in all the difficulties that, uh, that our brothers and sisters here at NCF will be able to see you in it all and give thanks for, to you for being our good and righteous God. Lord Father, may this year, no matter how hard it has been, mold us and shape us to become better believers of you, better Christians who go out and serve you, Lord Father. Be with us now and forever. Remind us that your love towards us remains forever. We thank you, we praise you. In your son Christ's name we pray, amen.